Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Huff, Asset, and a small unit of rebel operatives were hopping across the Cynex sector trying to infiltrate the head of Lifeseed. His brother Duke was part of another group of operatives trying to uncover the secrets of another one of the branches of the same organization. The two units with Duke, who were investigating the Super Troopers branch of Project Lifeseed, had learned that the Empire was purchasing a race of people called the Quellens from one of the local sovereign houses who had been kidnapping them from their home planet. They were also mining rare minerals from an asteroid field for use in the project but how they were used specifically was unclear. Former Imperial Lieutenant Heza Wen led a mission onto one of these bases along with Puck and the old Jedi Knight from the ancient Sith Temple, Davith Oberon. They shot their way past Imperial Guards to get to a computer terminal where their droid, R5-D6, could plug in to extract the information. While it did this, a bounty hunter strode through along with the super troopers to stop them. Their firepower was unrelenting, and the bounty hunter wounded Lieutenant Wen to the point of collapse. Puck was able to ward off the bounty hunter, nearly killing him, and Davith cut down a bunch of super troopers with his lightsaber, but more were on their way. Just then, the droid extracted the information it had come for and hurried back to them with the tiny jetpacks it had recently gotten installed. They all hurried out a back exit Lieutenant Wynn knew about. The extracted information had the location of the super trooper facility. They sent it to Duke's group, which could finish it off once and for all. He was with Fresh, a sniper named Mac, and a medical droid, who didn't particularly like Duke. Over their travels, MHG-19 had had several opportunities to aid Duke, but had only chosen to when he was directly beneficial to the droid. The four operatives managed to sneak onto the base and get into the facility unnoticed at first, but as they got close to where the super troopers were made, more guards began to appear. Duke and Puck held them off with their guns and grenades, and Fresh made his way to the main room. Opening the blast door wide, he found a glowing platform filled with steam with stormtroopers as large as him standing on top. They fired at him as they advanced, and he jumped to cover. Duke and Puck counterattacked, taking down only one with their combined fire, and the other three readied their weapons to kill them. But their attention was taken from Vresh, who leaped out, slashing with his vibroaxe. He cut them down one by one while MHD hurried up and provided Vresh with stimulants while it did its own surgical procedures on one of the remaining supertroopers. The attention now off of him, Duke rushed past and manned one of the consoles past the troopers. He found how it was operated just as another batch of four troopers rose up out of the ground. MHD ran up the stairs while the troopers were still gathered together and the steam was still obscuring the air between them. Its chest opened up, revealing cluster bombs, and at breakneck speed it placed the bombs on the troopers just below the gaps in their armor. It then hurried to a door off to the side as the troopers were blown to pieces. While Duke worked at shutting down the machines, MHD opened a side door where it found a corridor leading away from the room. Following it, he found prison cells where Quellens were held, four to each room. 
he opened the nearest one to him first, and the four inside escaped just as the floor dropped out beneath them. MHD then frantically opened more as it reported its findings back to Duke. More stormtroopers and officers were closing in on the rest of the cell doors. He opened the doors, and a dozen or so surviving Aquellans followed the medical droid back to the others, and together they hurried back to the ship. Back at the Cynic's base, Jarn Katarn spent his days meditating inside the Kyber Crystal Cave, communing with them to grow a deeper understanding. Their life force had been drained from them by the Sith, as evidenced by their red hue, but there was still much to be discerned from them. He had managed to make contact with Elor through them, and they had revealed that she was going to a dark place in both spirit and sight. Now he could not reach her at all. But then he was pulled away to some place far away, a cavern with kyber crystals of many colors. Paramaton, he whispered, the place where he had gotten the crystal for his own lightsaber. He looked down at his saber and asked, Are you taking me to this place? He saw within the cavern a red glow growing ever closer. The crystals were dying. Within them were people of every race, culture, and style. All were enveloped within the conformist red, growing looks of hatred upon their faces. The crimson glow continued to spread, like blood from an open wound. It grew closer and closer. Jarn realized he was seeing the future as it was currently written, and there was no escaping it, just as there was no escape for him from the cave. Then suddenly he was snapped to another place. It was still the future but this time by only an hour or so. He saw what was in store for himself and the others of the Synex sector. He needed to act now if anyone was to survive. The rebels of the Synex sector had been building a small fleet of fighter craft. Using credibility they built with the Alliance, they got four X-Wings and two A-Wings. Using resources they had gathered, they purchased three Y-Wings. Within the game, the players made these purchases based on resources they had been collecting throughout the campaign. They were making an attack on the one Imperial base that lay along the route the Alliance would be taking to attack the Emperor at his new Death Star. Lieutenant Wynn led the attack from inside Davit's YT-2000, the Krusty Minoc, which he flew. Pock and Mac ran the guns and MHD handled repairs. Directly to their port, Duke and R5-D6 flew the lead X-Wing. The Y and A-Wings took the other side. They were assaulting the Imperial base orbiting the planet Synex, which was the capital of the sector. They would use them to assault the Imperial base orbiting the planet Synex, which was the capital of the sector. Most importantly, it was the path of the Rebel Alliance fleet, which would be traveling through their sector on their way to attack a high-level target around a planet called Endor. No joke, I had chosen this sector because it seemed interesting, but I didn't know when I started that it literally sat along the path the Rebels would have taken on their way to their climactic fight with the Empire. Now that they needed a clear path, the Imperial base which would attack them needed to be destroyed. Lieutenant Wynn led the attack from inside Davith's YT-2000, the Krusty Minoc, which he flew. Puck and Mac ran the guns, and MHD handled repairs. Directly to their port, Duke and R5-D6 flew the lead X-Wing. The Y and A-Wings took the other side. It was guarded by a fair number of TIE fighters and interceptors, as well as a decimator. The X-Wings engaged the fighters, and the A-Wings tried to engage the interceptors, but they were overwhelmed, and many of the interceptors were able to focus in on the Y-Wings, breaking up their attack run on the base. Duke and two of his wingmen broke off from the fighters and went after the base, firing their own proton torpedoes into it, which took down the shields. The Decimator and the Krusty Minoc flew directly toward each other in a deadly game of chicken. Their hulls nearly scraped each other as they passed, and their gunners wreaked havoc on one another, tearing apart their shields and damaging their hulls. But then Puck spotted the vulnerability of the base. 
before it could regenerate its shields, he turned his turret on it and fired. He hit his power core and the base blew apart. The rebels were cheering with joy. They had destroyed their objective on their first pass, taking only one casualty in the process. Lieutenant Wynn thought that it all seemed too easy. Then Davith realized why it was. He felt a disturbance from back of the Senex rebel base. It was one that was all too familiar to him. He already had the Krusty Minoc turning away from the battle and making the calculations for light speed when the signal came in. It was Vresh speaking through a translator. The base was under attack. Without knowing the Alliance fleet would be flying through their sector, the Imperials had determined to leave their station on Cenex as bait while their main attack would be on the Rebel base. They had learned its location from a bounty hunter who had tracked one of the Rebels back to the base. Now he was part of the assault, as was a legion of stormtroopers, dozens of supertroopers, a pair of servitors of Rixar, an ATST, and Dr. Quidel Fogro, head of the supertrooper program. The Rebels had no spacecraft to contest the landing but they had several squads of rebel troopers and Aquellans with which to guard. They could not hope to hold off the hordes of Imperials, so instead, Vresh determined to delay them with a couple units of Aquellans, their commander, himself, and Jarn, while the rest of the troops loaded onto transports and took off. The Imperials flooded in through the main canyon entrance. The rebels did not give them any obvious targets, so they had to funnel down two directions where the temple split among the canyon walls. Jarn and Vresh were hidden with an Aquellan squad down one direction, and the Aquellan leader was down the other side with two other squads of Aquellans. In both directions, the Aquellans lured the Imperials closer to them where others then leaped out and ambushed them. Jarn and Vresh were the ambushers on one side, and they sliced through the stormtroopers in no time. The supertroopers were close behind, and the Aquellans leaped in to help. Dr. Thagro slipped by them with a pair of stormtroopers and two servitors, and they moved into the Sith chamber where Jarn, Aelor, and Valina had faced the ancient spirit. Though this was a distraction from the goal of stopping the rebels, Jarn knew this could be trouble. He disengaged and rushed into the chapel. Seeing that Jarn was outnumbered and the Aquellans were doing well against the supertroopers, Vresh hurried into the chamber in pursuit. Jarn was engaging with the servitor near the entrance. He could outmatch her but the two stormtroopers were distracting him. Vresh leaped at them and tore them apart. He then turned on Dr. Thagro and charged at him, but the second servitor got in his way with her lightsaber whip. While she raised her whip, he charged unrelentingly into her and sliced her apart with his vibroblades. Slow clapping echoed through the chamber. It was Dr. Thagro, alone in the room with the Wookiee who was now smeared with blood. You are a fine specimen, Dr. Thagro said. Wookiees always are. But you're special, aren't you? Without the distraction of being fired upon, Jarn was able to concentrate on his target. The servitor backed away, out of the chamber, as he sliced relentlessly at her. At last, he caught her on the steps just outside and cut through her. He turned toward the entrance. He could see Vresh charging the diminutive form of the doctor. Jarn even felt a little bad for the man who was about to be mauled by a Wookiee. But the man pressed some sort of button on his wrist and suddenly he was pairing each blow of the vibroblades with a blade of his own. His arms moved quickly and held with inhuman strength as Fresh swung down on him again and again. Then blaster bolts shot Fresh in the back. He turned in pain to see the two stormtroopers he had killed were sitting upright. One of them was ripped in half. His torso was leaning over, and he was firing his weapon. Further within the chamber, the servitor was on her feet. Her eyes were hollow and her mouth agape. The body nearly fell apart at the slashes in the torso, and she staggered like a bad marionette. Yet she was still moving toward him. 
light whip swinging as agile as ever. The dark side, Jarn muttered, and he began toward Thogro, who wasn't far from the doorway. Dr. Thogro countercharged with incredible speed. He slipped past the lightsaber before Jarn could swing and body-slammed the force-wielder. His extraordinary strength pressed hard into Jarn, and he flew out the doorway. Just as Jarn was getting back on his feet, the door slid closed. The last thing he saw inside was the light whip slicing down afresh. The Wookiee was still not beat, however. His claws found two parts of the woman's body on either side of the blade marks, and he ripped her in two pieces. Just as he did, though, a longer blade cut through his torso. It was the last straw, and the Wookiee screamed in agony. Jarn could hear him outside, and he shouted in solidarity, but it was short-lasted. Blaster fire was coming at him from several sources, including an ATST. He had to get out of there. The Aquellan forces had held the Imperials at bay, killing several squads of Imperials. But they had all been taken down, including their commander, who the bounty hunter had personally killed. Jarn considered a moment going down with the ship, as it were, since he was the lone survivor. But he knew that would do no good. His services would be needed with the Rebellion. He hurried to his own ship, which was parked nearby, and he took off. The transports were met by the crusty Minoc, which arrived out of hyperspace just before the other rebel fighters. Lieutenant Wynn was trying to call General Vresh, but Jarn told her that he had not made it. Wynn took no time for her sorrows. She immediately moved on to the next plan they had already prepared for, to go to Zaluria and join the rebel forces there. That will not work either, Jarn said with sadness in his voice. You saw something in the crystal cave? Davith said. Yes, Jarn said, and I'm afraid it's not good news. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!